Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Nick Cousin of KVRR in Fargo, North Dakota. The KU alum is set to join us for a wide-ranging discussion as we will talk about what on earth does a sports anchor do when there's no sports going on. And we'll get his thoughts on both the Minnesota Vikings, uh, KU, and uh, all that great stuff coming up when he joins us later on in the show today. Joining me, as always, is Thomas Bridges. And, uh, Tom, we have a uh, special guest with us today. And I'll go ahead and let you introduce uh, our our friend and our uh, our insider that's here to uh, educate us today. You, you go ahead. So we got Miguel Atkinson, longtime friend of Tom, here with us today. Works at St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, finally, I mean, he's... Here, here's the thing about Mig. He's about less than a year graduated in the game, but at the same time, this guy is literally went on. It pretty much went to the shitter on. Hey, what have you done? Uh, you know, like going into the nursing field. You know, you usually start out with normal processes, normal things. Mig actually just started out with the coronavirus. I mean. What better way to get you suited to the field of nursing than to have a global pandemic? Uh, and, you know, honestly, I would never, you know, if I had to pick someone to do uh, to be a part of a global pandemic, I don't know if I could pick a better person than Miguel Atkinson. Well, uh, Miguel, with that introduction, we uh, bring you in. We are declaring uh, Miguel Atkinson. Uh, we're going to call him Nurse Mig for short. Uh, the official nurse of the Jones Report. Uh, so, Nurse Mig, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Nurse Mig, uh, first off, uh, tell us, uh, what has it been like these last couple weeks or months uh, being firsthand in a uh, hospital with this uh, pandemic going on? So, as Thomas said, uh, I graduated in... He didn't say when, but May. Um, I passed my exam to even be at a hospital. Um, my national, like my state exam in October, and I didn't actually start on the floor interacting with patients until uh, the end of December, which um, we didn't even have an inkling or clue that uh, COVID was going to be this big. Uh, so. I was expected to be thrusted into the nursing world of just learning, as Thomas said, the processes and just the regular nursing things that you're expected within your first year being still wet behind the ears of, of, of medicine. But throw in a pandemic um, like coronavirus, there's the learning that I'm expected plus um, extra protections that I have to afford myself and my patients, my coworkers, and really the whole community. Um, so we didn't really start locking down until maybe uh, the end of February and definitely March is when things got in full swing. Um, our protocol every day changes. Uh, so a normal shift for me, um, I work at the neuro ICU 
So I receive patients that have um, injuries or insults to their brain, and they're from the ER. They get stabilized, and then they're with me and my team for um, a set number of days. So I'm the ICU isn't the first stop. The ER is the first stop, and they really, really are at the front lines. I'm second stop. If you're in my ICU, you're stabilized, but I got to keep you through. Um, but hopefully, as of March, uh, um, they're screened in the ER before they even get to me. But that's not always the case until we've adapted and overcome um, the screening before they get to us. So. Um, a normal day in the ICU would be me checking into my team huddle, which is there's a huddle room after you get through uh, two sets of double doors and off of an elevator um, where everyone meets. We discuss what's going on on the unit before we even come on. And then we're given our patient assignments. We go out to the regular unit and actually get contact with those people. Uh, this past month at huddle, we've been doing temperatures of every nurse coming on and we're not allowed to go to work um, if our temperatures over like a hundred point something and some change um, or else we get sent home um, given that uh, the protocol as I know it right now if we get approved to go onto the floor and our temperatures under a hundred uh, if we are given patients on ventilators, on, on breathing machines and tubes down to their, uh, to their lungs, um, that's actually a pretty secure system. Um, no air escapes their lungs without being filtered through that machine, and no air gets delivered to their lungs without going through that machine. So if we get a ventilated patient, then all we have to do is wear regular surgical masks, not those special N95 mm-hmm. um, high-filtering masks. Um if we have someone that has not passed their screen or they haven't done their second screen test uh, because of the unreliability of them, then we do get an N95 mask and then we wear a, a surgical mask over that for the whole shifts. And I can tell you that as soon as I walk onto that unit, I don't take my mask off. It stays on. And if I do have to hydrate, take a drink, take some caffeine or something, um, I wash my hands really well, uh, do what I need to do, and then my mask is on as soon as I can get it back on. Um, yeah, that's the protocol so far. Temperatures before we enter the unit and um, masks depending on what kind of patients we get. So, Tom, I was thinking with MIG describing uh, the way that he just basically jumped right into this, in such a global pandemic, this big deal of sorts, the comparison that came to mind, and you tell me if this sounds accurate, Tom, it reminds me of when Alabama was playing Georgia in the national championship a couple of years ago. They were shut out at halftime, and Tua, Tua Tunga Viola got thrown in in the second half to try to save Alabama uh, of any hopes of them having a national title. Is that a fair comparison for, you know, a, a rookie in this and MIG to get thrown in such a big thing like this? I think I, I really hope that MIG, if we're going to compare him to Tua, I hope, I hope and pray that MIG can go about this the way the same, the same way Tua did. Maybe we'll have a Jalen that comes and saves us. 
uh, in, in the end. But uh, best case scenario, uh, maybe we're looking at Mig playing Joe Burrow versus OU in the semifinals of the 2019-2020 season uh, college football playoff. I mean, that's the best thing we can hope for. Uh, you know, Tulsa and Coweta has your best interest here, um, as well as Bartlesville does for myself. Broken Arrow uh, for myself, yes. There you go. And Lawrence, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have to mention Coweta. Um, but with that being said, um, like I said before, there's not a whole lot of people that I would trust to, get, to take care of myself versus, and, and other people other than Miguel Atkinson. Miguel, uh, have you? How many cases? Uh, and I know that there's, you know, some legal things. I don't know how much you can say, but how much have you dealt with this, or your hospital dealt with this uh, corona so far to this point? So I would say uh, it definitely exists at my hospital. We definitely do receive cases. Um, I think a couple weeks ago, my hospital was offered um, by a government entity to become the COVID hospital. Like, oh, you have COVID? Come to St. Francis. But I don't know what the reasoning was, what the bargaining or what was discussed, but um, basically it got turned down. Uh, and we are not the COVID um, hospital, the end-all, be-all. It's really an effort of all the hospitals. I know the big systems... Um, in Tulsa are the St. John system, the St. Francis system, and then maybe a little bit of, um, help from, uh, Hillcrest. Um, but the efforts, like I was talking about the joint efforts, uh, even though we are not a designated COVID hospital, mm -hmm. uh, we have modified our, um, some of our units to be completely COVID friendly that being um, before before now, before 2020, 2019, every unit has four or five negative pressure rooms. And negative pressure ventilation rooms are basically where if a patient has tuberculosis or something, a disease that they can um, give someone else through breathing, um, very fine particles of a disease, then that air stays in that room. No air enters that room that's not theirs, and no air leaves that's, um, that doesn't belong to that room and that patient. And they, each unit up until 2019, I know, has had four or five designated negative pressure rooms. In the effort to contain coronavirus, um, we have dedicated and changed some units to be completely negative pressure so now imagine an average of 30 to 40 bed units um, that used to have just four or five negative pressure rooms all 30 um, to 40 beds are negative pressure and anytime someone is confirmed uh, coronavirus they are sent to those rooms kept in those rooms they they aren't transferred to any other rooms and they stay there over the course of their uh, of their illness so um, a lot of hospitals across the nation across the state and across the nation are following suit and dedicating whole entire units to um, corona, corona units and um, there's a lot of 
I guess somewhat some engineering because you're changing regular ventilated rooms and you're having to change their whole air duct systems and where we route that air. Um, it's really it's really unprecedented and really innovative at the same time um, what we're doing um, to contain this. Obviously, no one was ever prepared to do this to their hospitals to in like instill these kind of protocols, but. Um, yeah, that's what I can tell tell you. They they exist. They're at my hospital, and we're treating them, and we have rooms ready for them. It's all about getting like being very, um, very using our resources well, sure, and using our units well, and um, just making sure that we break this chain of infection for that very hopeful dip and curb, so we can be well on our way. Yeah, that's uh, that's great to know. Uh, Nurse Mig joining us here on a, on uh, the Jones Report today as uh, we're talking coronavirus and and uh, what it's like to actually work in a hospital uh, throughout this. What's going on? Nurse Mig here works at St. Francis in uh, Tulsa. Uh, so, Mig, uh, you know what? What I got to ask you next is. Um, for you or the people around you, what's the legit fear? Uh, I know that, you know, this is something that, I mean, you obviously accept going into this job that, you know, there's always a risk, but do you go in there nervous at all? Or do your colleagues go in there nervous or, um, or do you feel confident each day in yourself and, you know, that you're going to be healthy and fine? What, what's kind of just your level of uh, confidence or nervousness of sorts when you go into work each day and uh, for your colleagues as well? So the typical nurse schedule will be about three twelves a week, so 36 hours a week, and those you can have them back-to-back, you can have them spaced out. Um, and if, for example, this week I worked – Tuesday, but I don't go back in until Friday, Saturday. So I have some peace of mind, um, even if it's just a little a little crutch to get me by, knowing that I have a couple days before I have to go back in. But it's not your typical nine to five. I go in, expose, re-expose, re-expose up until my next next shift. There, it's it's definitely there's definitely a mental aspect to getting my head right between the days that I go in. Um, to answer your question, I, I'm i just doing my best. I'm not trying to fret myself. I'm not trying to fret um, what I can't control. Um, I got some god-awful work shoes that have no laces, no features that like microbes can hide inside, um, literally just some god-awful looking crocs almost but from walmart and i can just bleach the hell out of those and i i bleach them at the door i don't even enter my house without taking those off and i have a little bleach bin i just pop those in wipe them off real fast and i wash my scrubs as soon as i get into the house and i don't even get into bed until i've showered because even though those things that i wore to work um, could be contaminated. I, uh, I could have touched my glasses. I could have touched my hair, whatnot. So like I'm doing the best that I can to afford myself the best, uh, mental state. Like if, if I'm doing any less than my best, then I might have some room to worry, but I'm, I'm doing my best, man. I'm trying not to worry about the future. Sure. 
And as, as far as my work culture and how everyone is around me, there's usually people on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, some people just freak out. It's, it's, um, they probably go home worrying about it. And there's some people that show up like it's just clockwork. It's another day in their life. Um, just like any other disease that we've had before, like tuberculosis or something where we, we have the medical technology, um, to help keep those at bay. And if you do contract tuberculosis or one of those airborne diseases that we've had these negative pressure rooms for anyway, like there's already medicine for that. We already have treatments for that. And that's bacterial. And I guess maybe a little easier to treat, um, I guess people are more at ease knowing that there's some diseases that you can breathe in that um, that can be treated. I think the surprise factor in coronavirus is we don't have reliable um, screening. You know, there's a 50% false negative, I think, on these tests. So that's why you have to screen them like a second time. Um, to confirm, and I think that contributes to the fear of those people that I was talking about on the spectrum that hmm. do go into work fearing that shift or dreading that shift. Is um, does is the person I'm caring for? Did they really test negative, or are they on their way to their second test? Um, did we even give them their first test? Um, so that that describes those people but for the most part we're dealing with it uh i think it's great that we have a plan in place of where to send those people that we have a dedicated unit that's not my unit um but yeah there's you there's so many people in between and different ends of the spectrum and how they approach it and I'm sure it goes with how experienced they are as well dom uh, i got plenty of questions for mig but i want to let you jump in here uh what, what do you have for mig mig uh, we talked about this personally, uh, but for the people on the show in general, um, I have a guesstimate just from the outside in, but I want to <laughs> know your guesstimate on when is this shit going to be over? When can we open the restaurants again? I know Tulsa put a shelter in place for April 30th. If I had to guesstimate, and you being from Bartlesville, I think they're going to cancel Sunfest if they haven't already, and I think by mid-May, we should be somewhat back to simplicity or normality. What do you think? So at those team huddles that I was telling you about, um, <clears throat> at the team huddles, we give the latest information that we can um, that changes daily. And I think about two weeks ago, they said April 16th, so two weeks from now, the middle of this month. Um, but, of course, everyone is trying to find the answer that everyone wants. Um, everyone wants to be that, like, different groups want to be that group that finds the answer first and the most accurate answer. And on the receiving end, you know, the public wants to know, and that's what your listeners want to know. Um so there's more than one model out there other than the one that's projecting the middle of this month. There's also a model that I've seen that says we will see a plateau and or dip uh, by June. But of course, projecting things um, is different than can can be different than what we actually get. 
So I think we just need time to pass and uh, reassess daily, week by week, and see how close we are getting to that plateau and dip. I think that your end of, did you say end of May? Yeah. Your end of May uh, prediction is is hopeful, and I'm not going to say no, um, but I think, unfortunately, um, it'll cut in t- into a little bit of summer. Um, but we'll see after Governor Stitt's issue of, um, of you know, social isolation and shutting down businesses in all of the counties. Hopefully that'll help, and and we're just talking on a on a statewide level at least. Right, Kansas so, issued yeah. the same thing uh, from Governor Laura Kelly as well, and a lot of states are doing this. It appears to be something that's going to go on around the country of these uh, statewide issued orders. Uh, Tom and I, in our world, you know, we're of course you know big sports guys and everything, and we're without sports right now uh, completely as we sit and kind of just wait for that to return at this point in time. Uh, the CDC, of course, with their recommendation of only 10 people uh, or less in a gathering, it does not appear like you know sports can happen anytime soon, let alone with crowds. That's a whole other thing. Um, but you know, w- when can we see, do you think, uh, of things start to get where sports can get closer to that normal? It's hard to imagine that being... Um, you know, the the first step I would guess is that you're going to have to be able to quarantine and test these athletes pretty regularly to make sure they're okay. Um, but right now, it, it would seem that there's just not enough testing even for athletes to uh, make sure they're okay all the time right now. Right. Um, I was doing a little research about this, and I I, I still can't speak on the numbers and I, because I, I don't do health stats necessarily. Like I'm not well versed in that, but I can talk about the testing process. Sure. And, um, when people think of testing kits, they think this is something that comes in a box and, um, I can just, you know, take this test out, um, dip it in, whatever, whatever I'm testing for, get a result instantly. It's the culture that we live in. We like our stuff fast. We like them instant. And we don't like a very long interruption if an interruption at all um, comes between us and um, what we want. But um, the kits, from what I understand in my research, is um, they need to do them in, in labs. They have to have technicians. First of all, they have to have those people collect the sample, which will come from deep suctioning through the lungs or sputum cultures um, from, you know, someone spits in a cup, basically. Then they send those to the lab and to make sure that they don't mess up the sample, you know, lab technicians have to know what they're doing. And... Um, they have to they, they have to test it in the lab and that takes time and depending on what kit and how much um, lab staffing you have um, it could be anywhere from a couple hours to a couple days now apply that to um, a a team of um, like college football players like you have to get everyone together get the proper specimen collected and then test each individual one 
and like are we talking like the whole team or the starters like that's that's a lot of tests and a lot lot of unaccounted hours um and it's not just an easy um cookie cutter kit it's really the kit is the uh really the lab process is what they talk about when they talk about the covid uh testing kit it's very it's very time consuming and tedious yeah yeah that that, that makes sense um in uh in that situation tom what do you got um i have a question for you and in in be interested as as far as the answer goes <clears throat> you know we've heard from trump and and it's been wishy-washy but from what we've heard at one point we heard country open by easter i don't think we're at that point yet at that point you know even if it's not open by easter are we safe from a from a healthcare standpoint are we safe to open by easter to allow people to go back to an Easter service, or should we should shelter in place? Take well, and, and real quick, the president did back off on that. He he right, said that right, they were pushing things to the end of April. But uh, but but go ahead. But but Mig, before you answer, is it how important would it be to do a you know from from you know from a from a standpoint that the country's most likely or, or most important, I don't know, I wouldn't call it most importantly, I would call, as far as precedence goes, more, most, you know, you know, a lot of people are going to tr- want to go to an Easter service. Uh, there's a lot of Easter and Christmas Christians, uh, probably myself included. Uh, but with that being said, is it important that we stay home and see a virtual service um, or is it likely or is it worrisome that people would actually go out and go to these services in person? I mean, and is that is that scary for the nation for that to take on? Or, or what do you – I'm interested in your thoughts on that. So I don't think – and from the models that I looked at, I don't think that we've hit a plateau or curve that's satisfactory so um, for all we know, it could still be running rampant dis- despite our efforts. And they might be people might be jumping the gun by going to, in my opinion, um, they might be jumping the gun going to a service and a gathering with a lot of other people. Um, there's people walking among us that have no symptoms um, that are carrying it. Um, because it's a lung disease and stuff. I read a study that said um, people, their oxygen levels, which should be 90% or above, are uh, are actually, they're hypoxic. They, they're below that 90% that any normal, healthy, walking person have, but they don't have a, uh, they don't have the respiratory distress that's, um, key and like a a major finding so um it's affecting their lungs before they know it's affecting their lungs you go to this easter service and um you're spreading it to someone because you thought the the coast was clear when we're not even we're not even out of the woods yet so i think they might be jumping the gun man it's 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 a little worrisome i um so my idea I mean, a lot was of these people. A lot of these people that go to the Easter service, um, you guys can jump in on this if you want. 
I feel like the majority, maybe the majority is over 50, over 50. I know that COVID-19 is affecting everyone. It's, it's not age specific by any means. It's non-discriminatory. Um, but I feel like that the elderly especially are at risk. And I feel like the people that maybe go to an Easter service would be the elderly or more of a population would be elderly to go out and go do this. Uh, I mean, if this was, you know, middle of August, then we wouldn't face, you know, among all religions even. I mean, you don't have to even say Christianity. You, You could say Islam. You could say Buddhism. You could say a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I know Easter is is prominent here in America, and I, I know that it is uh, you know a major, obviously, holiday. You mean you have Good Friday, you have, you have Easter, you have all of it. Um, but I feel like that the elderly would be more apt to go out for an Easter service if that comes down to it. I feel that we could see you you know maybe a spread or maybe people who are asymptomatic go out and spread this. And I mean, I've seen things that. Even if you don't have symptoms, I mean, you could still be MIG and you're, and you know, you've, you've heard this term viral shedding. And I, I feel like that could affect a lot more people than what we could even imagine. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this all, this all started, we saw the cases peak after Chinese New Year, which brought out a bunch of people for, I don't think religious, but cultural reasons. Right. That's a big deal over there. And, you know, with, are this like Easter services could be our Chinese New Year, and um, symptoms um, usually peak or like start at um, day five. So days one through four, you're a normal, uh, healthy, walking human being. Uh, days one through four, and if you were infected one to four days before your Easter service. Um, you could be showing no symptoms and spread it to the person next to you. And we could have um, uh, like a reiteration of the Chinese New Year, but in, in our in our home front. So, the, um, the thing, Mig, I, I was thinking about was, and you guys probably agree to this, we have Easter on a different day every year um, due to something that I don't know that's over my head. We should just move Easter. If we're, we're moving everything else. Why does Easter have to still go on the scheduled day? That's my solution is let's just celebrate Easter in August this year or something as far as I'm concerned. Summer uh, solstice. Move it to the summer solstice. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Let's do it then. Um, Meg, we, we keep hearing the the social distancing, wash your hands, sanitizer, don't touch your face, those tips. Uh, for the listener at home, besides the basic things that we've all heard a thousand times, what are some t- steps that you can take to not only help prevent others from getting coronavirus, but also yourself from getting it? What would you advise to the people? What should they do uh, during this time period? So for the normal person uh, isolating themselves that don't necessarily need to be anywhere. I mean, I would say there's nothing wrong with social distancing. Um, I would just say keep on keeping on. But um, if you want me to geek out a little bit Please on do. Like the transmission, is um, there's two main ways that um, respiratory diseases in general spread, and that's through 
um, the airborne route and the droplet route. And both come from like coughing and stuff. The difference between airborne and the droplet route are um, the airborne um, coughs. Those those coughs and those um, viruses can stay in a finer, uh, more aerosolized form and hang out in the air longer. Whereas droplets are larger and they drop on the surface almost immediately after the cough. Um, but they're still coming from that person's respiratory system. And that's how that gets into the next victim's respiratory system. From what I understand, COVID is not a um, airborne, but a droplet disease. So that's why um, six feet on social isolation is fine. But wherever their cough lands, like a surface, that surface now becomes, if it's a common traffic area where another person might touch, um, they could transmit it after they touch their elbow or their wrist or their hand onto that table. And then they touch their mouth, nose, or eyes. Um, So, I mean... (laughs) I'm, I'm not sure if this is the answer you like or the listeners will like, but just keep washing your hands. But definitely you can break the cycle of infection by um, covering your costs and keeping your droplets from touching a surface that someone else might touch. Um, I mean, we've done this for every um, respiratory disease, um, like SARS and stuff. In fact, coronavirus is a type of SARS um it's, it's it's we're not we don't have to reinvent the wheel to break the cycle of infection in simple ways if you guys are washing your hands covering your coughs social distancing there's really nothing else you have to do and there's no way you can do it better that's good that's good to hear uh, a couple more things on this mig uh the comparison of of covid you mentioned it uh, that you know it's a type of SARS and such. We keep hearing the flu come up, but we we don't have a vaccine for this. You mentioned it's going to be a while before we get that. Is that the biggest difference of why this thing is so deadly and dangerous? Is because we don't have a vaccine or a cure for it? Um, what makes this thing uh, so deadly? Uh, is is that the main reason? So, are you asking what? What poses the greatest risk? Why? Why it's so? Yes. Why deadly? is Corona so deadly? Yes. So the biggest thing, the biggest thing with with SARS or SARS, sudden acute respiratory syndrome, um, anything that's acute and happens fast and happens to the respiratory system is not good because if you can't breathe, then nothing else is getting oxygen, and I mean that's that's an essential for everybody's body. Um, SARS type diseases like COVID, um, the biggest risk and the biggest fallacy in people saying it's just a bad flu is that, um, they can develop into a condition called ARDS, A-R-D-S, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome. And it's basically when the lungs, um, respond to, an immediate insult to them or injury, and they rapidly, the tissue rapidly fills with fluid. And when your lungs rapidly fill the fluid that's not ever been there and isn't supposed to be there, um, you basically have a hard time oxygenating. And ARDS, because it's an acute respiratory response, it happens so fast that people 
people um, don't get to the hospital and receive the help they need fast enough, as soon as your lungs feel the insult of that virus or the trauma, um, it can happen within hours. You can see it develop within hours. And um, you have to, you, like, hopefully your local hospital has um, a ventilator, a breathing machine for you. Make sure that they have a special bed that rotates you to keep the fluid off your lungs for a certain amount of time. Um, that's what makes uh, it so deadly, and which is why it's not just like the flu. It's because that immediate um, developing of fluid in the lungs. Um, you talked about a vaccine. Um, I actually, I expected you to ask that question. So I did just a little crash course on like vaccine developments and, um, let's see, my findings yielded, um, that, um, the way they develop a vaccine is they get a sample of of like from one of the patients that's sick with it and they create a like an attenuated version of it which is basically the practice dummy for your immune system it it doesn't do anything but it has all of the um weak spots implanted that from the virus um more than the actual virus on it so that your your immune system can learn how to fight it when you face the real thing um, so they've taken samples from some of the first coronavirus, uh, patients and, um, it's one thing to isolate the RNA, which is, which is what helps put those, um, those practice dummy weak spots on, on the, um, vaccine. It's about mutating and see how fast it, it adapts to make sure that that vaccine covers the rest of the COVIDs that we get. And they predict that coronavirus will be a lot like the flu where there's going to be um, two types every year and they try and predict which one it's going to be. So we think it'll be a, uh, we don't think it mutates too fast where we can't come with up with a vaccine, but um, I think a vaccine is on, on the horizon. We just got to make sure it doesn't mutate too much um, so that we can make a, um, a vaccine that works um, more often than not. All right. Well, that, uh, that all makes sense. Uh, I have learned a lot today. That's all I had. Tom, I'll give you the final word. Uh, what else do you have for, uh, for Mig here? So, Meg, I know we've talked about it uh, separately, you know, other than on the show, but there's a lot being said, and, and I'll tie sports back into this because this is a sports-based show. Um, a lot of people have said, and, and I know you've kind of just seen the college football world, and you've got a taste of it, and you love it so far, and you're a product of Oklahoma State University football, and I can say that you're an Oklahoma State fan. Hell, you—he's he's really a product of Everett Piper, though. Right? You're, well, <laughs> oh no, no, we don't want to call you a product of uh, EP. <laughs> um, but with that being said, you you have you are rivaling me in, in Oklahoma State gear, and you have made it clear that your loyalty is to the great place in Stillwater, Oklahoma. 
with that being said, and with college football, you know, it's not upon us yet, but it's ever so approaching. Uh, there's a lot of people being said, or a lot of people talking about a second wave of the coronavirus. Uh, we get the shit under control, and it's good to go, and we get the approval to have these college football athletes working out. Uh, what, in your opinion, Meg, I'm, I'm very curious, um, what kind of second wave can we see, or are we going to see, vaccine or not? Uh, I mean, is it safe, in your opinion, right now? And, and this would be very taken lightly because of the information that we have on hand. Is it safe to be in the stand September 3rd when Oklahoma State plays Oregon State in Stillwater, Oklahoma? Um, that's a very loaded question. And, and you, like everyone else, want your date and time and knowing whether it's safe or not. I don't have that answer, and I, but I can tie it back to what I just told Tyler about vaccine and i don't i don't think it should have been dependent on like your question you said vaccine or not i think um because it's a virus we don't have a cure we just have supportive care and stuff that helps for the people that do have it on on that tier on the other tier um preventing it from ever coming back or becoming as bad as it has been i really think vaccine development will really give the public um, and um, just the medical front, some peace of mind. So I think that we need to keep whatever strain people have right now at bay, hope that it doesn't mutate and we can keep the coronavirus dumbed down, not changing, and then make keep a vaccine that covers it. Um, if we can create a, a successful vaccine and control the cases we already have right now, um, I don't see why we couldn't um, have college football back with full stadiums. That'd be great. I would love to see it. Um, even if we have to wait till spring for this college football season to happen, I will take it. Just I want my football back in some way, shape, or form. Mig, we appreciate you joining us, man. We're going to have you stick around, though, and uh, he's going to chime in on some of the topics we're going to talk about today. We're also going to be joined by, joined by my sister, actually, in the second half of the show. Uh, she is visiting me this week, and so we thought that we would bring her in while she's here and give her the Jones Report treatment. Um, but Hardy and Lawrence. Right? Hey, uh, we, real we got, fast. We got a full house today here in the Jones Report with a Nick Cousin also said to join us coming up here in just a bit. But... Tom, uh, the NBA, season suspended right now. They were the first to suspend their season with Rudy Gobert getting the coronavirus and then Donovan Mitchell also testing positive for it as well. And we've been kind of waiting to see, are they going to suspend the season? Would they go to a central location of some sorts? And then we heard an idea from Jay Williams, which was one of the worst takes I've ever seen in the history of sports, where Jay Williams stated that they should all do this on cruise ships, um, which just had me shaking my head. Like, why are we even miss? No one wants a cruise ship. The cruise industry might be done with. We may never have cruises ever again after all this when it's all said and done. And by the way, President Trump, why are you bailing out these cruise companies that aren't based in America? Stupid, I tell you. Anyways, with that being said, terrible idea to have these bat the NBA possibly return on uh, cruise ships. But one possibility that... Woj floated this past week, Tom, 
was that the NBA is looking at a central location system to finish out the NBA season um, of still having the playoffs. You might have to change it up a bit, maybe shorten the series from seven games to five for those first early rounds. But whether it's in Las Vegas where you take over uh, T-Mobile Arena and the MGM and Thomas and Mack Center, Maybe you pick a Midwestern college to host it at. Maybe you do it from Hilton Coliseum at Iowa State. Maybe you do it from Gallagher Iba in Stillwater or something like that. Because the Midwest doesn't have this nearly the same number of cases as some of these coastal places, that idea has been thrown around out there. Another idea is making it a vacation of some sorts. Do it in the Bahamas. Like we've seen the battle for Atlantis, one of the best preseason college basketball tournaments, where they convert a ballroom into a basketball court, and the players could still have a nice time, be secluded and away from the public and such. Tom, um, if this is going to happen, I would say that your best bet is probably going to be Las Vegas, because the facilities they have... The casinos are still set, shut down, so there's not going to be much to do or anything. You could still have the families uh, involved. Um, you know, American Hospitals, one of the largest cities in the U.S. Vegas, to me, seems to make the most sense if this is going to happen. You know, probably so. Uh, I mean, at this point, we're not going to have any fans. Uh, I, I mean, at this time, we want to have some some sort of sporting event so the people at home can watch, so the people at home can talk about anything other than else than the coronavirus on Twitter. Uh, I, I mean, we've had players, namely LeBron James, say that they're not going to play unless it's not in front of fans. I think their ideas have changed. Yeah, LeBron's backed off on that. I, I mean, let's let, let's think about it. If you can have the season not canceled, the Lakers would obviously be the number one seed. Um, they would have the best chance, arguably, other than maybe the Bucks, to win the NBA championship. I think LeBron would play in front of a crowdless arena and win a championship other than having the season canceled. He gets a year older, uh, more time on his body, a uh, year off his contract in L.A., uh, along with everybody else, it's not just about LeBron. I mean, it is and it isn't. Um, but from a viewer standpoint, we understand what LeBron has at stake. He wants to have another championship. The Lakers have a great team. Uh, this is the best chance since Kobe. Rest in peace. Uh, I mean, this it would be foolish to say I'm not going to play in front of a crowdless arena with another championship on the line if they so choose to go to a crowdless arena. Uh, I mean, it's it's coming down to a point where, hey, can we give the nation some relief and letting other people watch this? If the NBA is the only league that's going on right now, you're going to have all these baseball fans who've been one baseball that have been holding out for the whole season since October to say, well, we don't have baseball. Nobody else has baseball. If the NBA chooses to do so, they could gain a lot more viewership. There is still opportunity to gain a lot more viewers, a lot more business, even if you don't have anybody in the stands. Yeah. Uh, and, and so with that being said, they should do it. Uh, I, I mean, my personal bias set aside, if they cancel the season, that means the Spurs still haven't missed the playoffs. 
because they had a chance to. Uh, you know, I always mention the Spurs. Personal bias aside, from a business standpoint, in the NBA, they should do it. I don't care how they got to get done. Yeah, uh, they should do it. I think Vegas makes the most sense, although it would be cool to see a Midwestern college of some sorts uh, get to have it. I don't think that's likely to happen. I think Vegas is more than likely the best bet. But uh, I'll bring Miguel back in here in, in this is I would guess that two big hurdles that the NBA has to climb over to get this done, and really this applies to really all sports leagues if they want to come back, First off, you got to make testing quicker and more accessible. They have to be able to test these guys frequently. And then also they have to have the CDC. Um, if the CDC is telling folks, um, hey, we don't recommend events with 10 people or more, and you go out and do that, that's not going to be a good look. That's not going to work out. There, there has to be the CDC signing off. And there also has to be easier access to testing to make sure these guys are okay. It, 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 do you think that's what is that what we're looking at? You think, Mig? Yeah, I think. I mean, uh, I don't think anyone's limiting um, activity for anybody, and um, I, I just think that everyone wants to do it safely. And I think you hit it right on the head where uh, as long as we can, you know, clear these people uh, before, like this would be really tedious and it might be a pipe dream, but like testing all the players that are going to be in contact with all the other players um, before each game and getting those results in, in a timely manner. I don't see why at least they can't, they, uh, they can't play on, um, like at a single spot um i still don't know what it would do for fans i don't know how we get that under control they might they're saying no fans if this happens i mean right probably that would be way too hard to orchestrate and stuff but like players some some of some people are um older and fit that demographic and are at higher risk so like just clearing their health before they go on before every game would would be would fit the bill right now yeah yeah i think this can be done um just test these guys uh as long as the testing's there uh i think you're gonna have to be in some type of like dorm room or it's gonna have to feel like a boarding school of some sorts because these guys you don't want them to go out there and catch this some way they're gonna have to uh treat this accordingly uh, to avoid from getting it in the frequent testing. The other thing, Tom, about this is here, here's the tough dilemma you face, and it's the same dilemma you faced a couple weeks ago when they were still playing and we talked about this, is if one guy does get it, um, he's not going to have a Jordan flu moment where he's just going to continue to play and then you know go off for 40 points and have the game of his life. If he gets tested, he's got to sit out. Then what happens then? Does the rest of the team sit out too? Do they forfeit? I mean, that's still a dilemma you have to figure out is what happens if one guy gets it, then your, your rest of the team's in trouble. Think about Utah. One of the reasons why they suspended that season was it would not have been fair for the Jazz to just go ahead and have to go on and play without Donovan Mitchell and 
Rudy Gobert because of Corona. I mean, that's still a hurdle they're going to have to figure out is if somebody tests positive, what do you do from there? Yeah, what do you do? And, and there, that's a likely possibility that someone brings it on, um, gets it, and then transmits it to whoever else is on the court. I mean, we've seen that. I mean, and then, and then what do you do? And, and I think that's maybe the biggest hurdle that the NBA is facing right now. Sure, they want to have the season still, but okay. I, I mean, let's let's put this in perspective, and everybody can knock on wood. Anybody who's listening, go ahead and knock on wood. I'm going to do it right now. If someone big, I mean, let's say KD, Kevin Durant, of all people who hasn't played this season but could still play, if they start the season back up from the, the position that it was at, Kevin Durant, one of the biggest basketball players ever, had COVID-19. He dies. Do you know what that will do to the league? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a very real possibility. There are people dying from all day age demographics. If someone big in the NBA, I don't care if it's someone small in the NBA. I don't care if it's a G League player that dies in the NBA. Still very detrimental. You have someone that dies that is as big as LeBron James, Kevin Durant, all the superstars. You have an all-star die from this? That's going to affect the league for years. If, if they decide to do this, I mean, look at the backlash the Warriors received from letting Kevin Durant play in the playoffs or the finals or whatever it may be. Think about that. He went in, not necessarily, I mean, I guess he was cleared by the doctors to play, tore whatever he tore, and then, and then has been out this whole season, even though he went to the Nets. Tore that, has not gotten to play. This would be a way, 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 way bigger up than one team deciding that one player should play. If one player that is even, I don't care, like, like I said, I don't care if it's a bench player, I don't care if it's a 15th spot on the team, dies from COVID-19 due to negligence from the NBA just to have a season. The league has been gaining popularity. They are on an upswing when for a long, long, long time, they were not one of the most popular leagues. They are becoming, they are getting right up with the NFL in, in popularity, and they they have worked on that. They have strived to become that. They have strived to do that. They got a lot, you know. The Warriors got a lot of backlash for Kevin Durant playing, even if it was in the finals, just to have a chance to win, and then him being out the whole season. If a player dies from this. It will hurt the league financially forever, not only financially, but just from a morale standpoint, from a morality standpoint. If they decide to go on, and I think this is the biggest hurdle, if they go on with this and someone dies from this, whether it be a coach, an assistant coach, a staff, a player, a fan, this will hurt the league for a long time. And I think that's what scares, you know, separately. I think that's what scares the NFL and college football a hundred times more because that is a very real possibility. Yeah, it is. Uh, it isn't far-fetched at all, um, you know, of, of what could possibly happen. And that's why we're not seeing these sports go on right now because we do not have a solution uh, at for the God's moment. For God's sakes, Wimbledon just got canceled for the first time in a hundred years. Yeah, uh, no PGA championship uh, or uh, uh, no open. open championship either. Um, right now. Um, they took out the insurance policy on that. So uh, this is very serious. Uh, I mean, these things don't just cancel because 
it's convenient. They do it because they they have to as a last resort uh, scenario. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. I still think that the most likely sports to come back first are probably golf and auto racing, that being you know, NASCAR, IndyCar, that type of thing, because you don't have to have fans there. Uh, you don't have direct contact with the other competitors. Um, you know, in, in golf, you can easily keep the six feet distance. That's not a problem. We're seeing golf courses around the country start to open back up again. That can be done. In fact, Tiger and Phil are going to do a pay-per-view one-on-one match with Peyton Manning and uh, and Tom Brady here in a couple weeks. That's great. And they've gotten clearance, and they're looking forward to putting that together. Golf is well on its way to coming back. NASCAR should be coming back. Um, You're in a race car. You don't have to have fans there and such. Those things should be the first things to come back. It's these contact sports like basketball where you're rubbing elbows uh, you know, football and such like that, that could take more time. I would like, I think that this NBA thing can happen, but Tom, we're not talking about this just being in May. If the NBA season's going to finish, I think we're talking maybe June at the earliest right now. Yeah, it definitely would be June, maybe August. I, I mean, safety, I mean, we don't have to have an NBA champion. We really don't. And, and sports are, as you know, important as anything else uh i mean selfishly i'm gonna say that they are as important as a lot of things uh i mean just for keeping sanity across the whole nation uh, i mean sports are that getaway for a lot of people um and you know not having that has you know caught you know if we had sports right now i might be just kicking out of the house instead of watching matthew mcconaughey movies i might be watching the nba all right all right yeah, exactly, and that's fine, and that's cool. But at the same time, do not endanger any lives. I mean, as Greg Popovich would say, it's just basketball. It, I mean, that's it. You're dribbling a ball and you're shooting it through a hoop. I don't care if it's Pop Warner. I don't care if it's you know AAU. I don't care if it's high school, college, NBA. I don't care. This goes beyond that, and that goes without saying. And Meg will agree with that as well. Uh, I mean. I mean, at the at the end of the day, regardless of fandoms, fuck it. If we don't have a, an NBA championship this year, and you have to put an asterisk by somebody's name for all intents and purposes and life saving measures, you do it. Everybody will get over. We'll have NBA eventually, right? Eventually, we'll right. have it, and, and it will be a glorious time when well, we get sports back. God, I mean, we won't. T- I mean, I feel like I've taken it for granted. Everybody takes it for granted. Nobody will be, and maybe that's maybe the best thing that will come out of this is nobody will take shit for granted anymore, and and eventually we'll probably get back to the point where we take shit for granted. But at the time being, now do not risk anybody's life just for an NBA championship. Don't do it. Right now, it. I'll, I'll say this, and uh, and Mig, jump on in on this, please. Um, you know, as we battle this, I know times are tough, and it sucks not having sports and. And, you know, we will get through this, and hopefully we'll have these things come back pretty soon. But a reminder, folks, we're going to kick coronavirus's ass. We're going to beat this thing. We're going to find a solution. It all is going to work itself out at some point in time. And I know it sucks, and people are dying. They're losing their jobs. All these things are just awful. I get that. But you know what? 
Meg, everything eventually is going to be okay. We have the best doctors in the entire world. Uh, they're going to find a way. I, I believe in you guys are going to work this out, and, and we're going to be fine. We'll get through this somehow, some way, shape, or form. In a couple of months, we could just have players go to the local Walgreens, get their coronavirus uh, vaccine, and, and be well on their way. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, we got a lot to get to still on the Jones Report today. Nick Cousins set to join us coming up in a few moments. Also, uh, later on, I, I want to catch up with Tom and Mig and see what have you been doing to pass the time of the coronavirus? What shows? Obviously, Tiger King's been a big hit. Uh, some of the other things. We're going to bring in my sister who's dealt with me this week uh, and, and find out what she thinks. And uh, we also got Tom Fullery before we get out of here as well. Still more to come. Stay with us here at the Jones Report. Joining us now from KVRR, the Fox affiliate in Fargo, North Dakota. He covers all things North Dakota as well as the Minnesota Vikings. It is uh, my buddy Nick Cousin who is back on the Jones Report once again. Nick, welcome back. What's happening, my friend? Uh, it's good to be back, man. I'm glad, uh, glad uh, you had me on the program today. Of course. Of course, Nick. Uh, so i got to ask you, what does a sports anchor do during a, a world of no sports right now? Oh, it's it's time to get it's time to get creative, I guess, right? Uh, I for right now, I'm do, just talking to as many coaches, players, high school level, college level about seasons ending, uh, doing tributes to seniors who had their seasons cut short because of the coronavirus. So, pretty much just trying to fill time with that. Other than that, you know, talking sadly about cancellations of sporting events. Yesterday, we had. You know, Wimbledon was canceled, and now it looks like the British Open is going to be canceled as well. So filling people in on that. And then, as we know with Roger Goodell, you know, he doesn't want to take a backseat to anybody. So there's always still the the NFL news as well. The Vikings have made a lot of moves this offseason so far, uh, especially trading their t- one of their top receivers away, Stephon Diggs. So there's just been a, there's still been a lot of news to, to report on, uh, surprisingly, through these times with no live sports. Yeah, uh, it sounds like it. Uh, same's been here, too. Uh, it's crazy to think, you and I, Nick, we, we went to the Final Four in San Antonio together, what was it, two years ago this weekend, and yeah. now, fast forward two years later, and there's just no tournament, there's just nothing at all. Like, I, I'm losing my mind right now, Nick. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know, like, I'm just... When I, I when I have days off, uh, you know, it's usually the weekends for me. That's when I'm usually that's my prime sports watching time. I mean, that's when I on Saturdays I'll be watching KU basketball. Uh, so now I'm not even I'm not even doing that because if I if I try to watch a classic sporting event, I'm just going to get frustrated with myself and be sad. So I'm trying not to even as sad as sad as it sounds. I, I try not to even watch a lot of sports. So I. I just don't get sad because I don't want to see myself get to that level of, of sadness, uh, especially with March. Um, but at least we got through the we we got through the month of March. It seemed like it took a year, though. Yeah, it, it did, and I can imagine uh, the month of April with no Masters and no Final Four and all that. That might feel like a decade uh, when it's all said and done uh, of how that's going to experience. But I, I find myself right now, Nick, kind of just reflecting on. Trying to remember the good times, the memories. I think back to that Final Four we went to. Heck, KU, they got their the the doors blown off of them, but still, that was that was a heck of a trip. One one of my favorite sports memories ever was uh, going down to San Antonio there. 
I'm right with you. Just to think about all the stuff that we did in that short amount of time. What was it? Five days we were down there. We spent two days driving. We had to drive back on Easter Sunday uh, through, through what is it, four different states. Like it was yes. a crazy road trip, but you did introduce me to Whataburger on that road trip. And I thank you tremendously for that because every time I go back south now, I always make sure that's my first spot. Uh, we went to Whataburger, we went to Bucky's, um, like we had some great Mexican, uh, we did some stuff on the river walk late at night that we probably can't repeat. Um, <laughs> I mean, those were good, good times to be had, uh, now, and now we just sit at home, uh, in the quarantine. So, so what do you do in, in your spare time that you do have alone? Is there any specific shows or movies that, that you've watched during this time? Like I find myself, Nick, like before all this. All I watched was sports and news, and without sports in my life and how depressing news is, uh, I've discovered this whole world of, of Netflix shows that I never watched before. I'm just now uh, getting close to finishing The Office, which somehow I never watched the full thing before now. That's a great show. I watched that in college all the way through. Uh, one, of the, one of the best shows, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing a lot of that, too, as well. Uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, my uh, my weekend consists of watching a lot of sports. Now that that's taken away from me, as I told you a little bit, I uh, last weekend I finished Tiger King, which was very, very interesting. Um, and, I, and I can't believe that you, being from the state of Oklahoma, witnessed a lot of Joe Exotic firsthand and his antics. Uh, running for governor, running for president, uh, all that stuff. I didn't even know. Watching that show was kind of like learning about a new religion that you didn't even know about, just a certain type of person and just how how weird it is, how weird some people are and how just dif- different things are. You don't even know some of the people that even live in this country. And I think that was, uh, that was uh, a big, uh, big eye-opener for <laughs> exotic animals and how, you know, there's a certain amount of people that there's even people that treat them that way. It's just, it's just crazy. Right. We should have, when we went to San Antonio, we should have stopped by the zoo on the way down. <laughs> what was it on the way? Yes, it was actually. Oh yeah, we definitely should have. And, but I did recognize, uh, the guy that took over Joe exotic, the other, uh, the con guy, uh, um, he, that, that I remember passing that casino he was going to move the park behind. Windstar, yes. Yeah, that was a huge casino off the highway that we saw like around the border of Oklahoma and Texas. I remember that. Yeah, uh, that was a, a huge uh, casino. Uh, and it's the largest in the world, actually, uh, the uh, Windstar Casino is. But uh, I was a big fan of Tiger King. I knew who Joe Exotic was, but I don't feel like I really knew who Joe Exotic was until I watched that. And I don't know about you, Nick. I have no doubt in my mind that Carol Baskin killed her husband. And I have yet to talk to a single person that thinks otherwise. Oh, I'm right with you there. As soon as as soon as that show ended, I definitely think that she killed her husband. You, you, look, at, you look at what she did. She left her first husband to go with this guy who, was, who had money in his family. Then she throws him to the tigers, as Joe Exotic would say, and then takes all that money from, from her second husband to put her third husband through all these lawsuits to try to get Joe Exotic into prison. Right. And she, she finally does that, and now she's out scout free 
But I hope that that sheriff from the county in Florida that reopened this case can accuse her now because she definitely needs to be behind bars. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned Jeff Lowe. Um, Jeff Lowe, Lowe, like, yeah, he's he's not Carol Baskin. But I still feel like he's a bad dude, too. Like, he's going to be next to go. There's there's no way that he's not going to get in uh, trouble of some sorts. I believe there's an arrest warrant out in Vegas for him right now, actually. Yeah, I think that's – he's going to be – because of the stuff they did in Vegas where he was where he had a service where he was taking people down the strip with and there was like little tiger cubs in there and and he was sneaking them sneaking the cubs into suitcases into suites and casinos all that stuff I think you know he's gonna get caught for that and I, I saw something where he was you know if he's out for an arrest I think everybody knows where he's at so it just takes a matter of going to the place in Oklahoma and arresting him. Right. It's not going to be that hard to find Jeff Lowe uh, down in Oklahoma uh, if they're serious about getting this uh, this arrest done of, of Jeff Lowe. Uh, the only sane person on this show, Nick, seemed to be the uh, campaign manager, Joshua, that used to work at Walmart. He seemed sane, and then everybody else on this show was just nuts. You mentioned it was like a religion of some sorts. It, it, it was like some cult type thing down there yeah Yeah. the campaign guy was regular but then he saw uh, one of Joe's husbands like right in front of him commit suicide and that kind of messed him up in the head yeah you think yeah (laughs) and then he got and then he got a little uh, he got a little weird after that but yeah he was pretty sane and uh, I credit him a lot for dealing with Joe Exotic and actually putting a campaign together for him too that takes a lot of uh that takes a lot of expertise okay if i told you right now you had to be somebody from tiger king switch oh, lives with them right now who are you switching lives with at the moment uh who is the uh joe oh Antle. i'd be Antle. doc Antle. i would yeah. too um, and he would have his, you know, you'd have his mistresses or apprentices. I mean, um, you know, there yeah, because he's not he's not caught up in this. Like, he's right. still doing he's still doing his thing, and he's not in trouble for anything. So I totally be him. And he lives in Myrtle Beach. Um, I mean, I know that I'm from Oklahoma and everything, but given the choice, like I'll take Myrtle Beach. Um, I think he's shady though. He's going to get caught here pretty soon. Like everybody in this, uh, there's no way that. Almost, you know, the main characters between uh, Carol, Joe, and Doc, and and uh, all these folks are not going to get in trouble of some sorts, or at least um, have not done any criminal activity. I mean, if you're going to be in the exotic animal uh, field, you have to do some illegal activity, basically. And I had no idea that that was even even possible until I watched until I watched Tiger King. Yeah. Oh and same God. thing with uh, you know Doc Antle bringing in the woman and having a couple wives and Joe Exotic having a couple husbands. Like you don't usually see that. That's not normal either. But that just seems to be the exotic animal people that are doing that. Right? Yeah. It's uh, it's bizarre. This uh, this industry that is uh, the uh, exotic animals and uh, and so I will stay away uh, as far as possible from getting in this industry, Nick. If if you hear that I'm working with exotic animals, you know everybody wonders what you do eventually when you leave the business, whether it's retire or move on to another career. If I'm working with exotic animals, Nick, please send help. 
<laughs> I, I, I will, especially if it's uh, in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, I'll need it. Uh, that's for sure. Um, so, so Nick, uh, tell me this: uh, the uh, you mentioned the Vikings. What's going on with them? Uh, with, with that team uh, that that you cover these days? Uh, what kind of moves have gone on with uh, w- with that group? I don't know if you know a lot about uh, Stefan Diggs' antics on social media, but for the last year or so, especially last year when uh, Adam Thielen was hurt, Stefan Diggs still wasn't getting as many reps. He was very unhappy with the team. Uh, and so this whole offseason, he's been tweeting on his Twitter about you know new beginnings, wanting to go to a new team. He wasn't happy with the Vikings, and he finally gets traded to the Buffalo Bills and the, for a first-round pick, which is a very good trade. If you can get a first-round pick for Stephon Diggs, especially when the day before, if you look back at the Texans trade, they traded DeAndre Hopkins, and they got a second-round pick for him. You're winning. You're the, if you're the Vikings, you're feeling good about that trade. Yeah. Um, and, um, then, and you yeah, still have Thielen there, too. Exactly. And then if you, now you have an additional first-round pick along with your other first-round pick, you can use one of those first round picks to get a receiver. It's a very heavy receiver draft. So if you're the if you're the front office of the Vikings, I think that you're fine trade trading digs. You probably saved a lot of money too. Um, yeah. In the process. Um, yeah. Thielen though, he he was injured quite a bit. I remember you came down here for that Chiefs game and he was questionable. He played that game, but then he got re injured again. Is there any concerns about with his health wise of him being the number one receiver there in Minnesota? Well, he, so he, if he didn't play that game, he probably would have been would have been more healthy. But him playing in that game set him back. Uh, even he only played one series in that game. Um, but and he was coming, tried to come back early from that. But after that game, when he re-injured it, he kept saying, you know, he came too er- he came back too early from it. The hamstring was still bothering him. He said he he even said. He didn't take the injury that seriously, uh, so had he not had he not played against the Chiefs, maybe we would have seen him uh, fully healthy in the playoffs. But you could tell after even when he came back the second time, he still wasn't one hundred percent, still wasn't getting a lot of targets. Um, but I think with a full off season uh, now that there's going to be no OTAs, uh, no one could go into the facilities now because of coronavirus. That I think with a lot of a lot of rest, he'll be fine at number one receiver. They also signed, the Vikings also signed uh, Tajay Sharp, who was the slot receiver for the Titans. They brought him in in the offseason, too. So he probably will compete for that second job along with a receiver that they would draft, probably. Okay. Um, So with all that being said, uh, where they stand, Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, he didn't have a great first season there. Last year had a nice bounce back year. He was in some MVP consideration and so, uh, of sorts. Um, I believe that he's got a, a new contract. What's kind of the confidence level with uh, Kirk Cousins? How are people feeling about him? Has he won over Vikings fans? Uh, for the most part, uh, asking a lot of Vikings fans what they felt about the two-year extension that Cousins got, all the Vikings fans thought he earned it. You talk about what he did this season. He was top five in uh, passing. Um, yeah, top five in a lot of different passing categories. He had the most touchdowns he's ever thrown in his career. Uh, so he, you know, when he first signed with the Vikings, there was a lot of people questioning what 
you know, why, why did they get him so much money? Why did he get so much guaranteed money in the contract? And he, he stepped up to the plate and really showed what he could do. Uh, you know, he was really known for, you know, not really airing it out downfield, but he had a lot of touchdown passes this year where he really aired it out, uh, had a lot of different, uh, found a lot of different targets, made the offense work when he didn't have, when he didn't have feeling with them. So I, th- I think, uh, you know, people are excited about, about Cousins at, at the Vikings. And he's probably, if I were, if I, mean, if I were to say, he's probably top number two quarterback in the NFC North on Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, he's up there with what he did last season. Yeah, and, and Aaron Rodgers, despite them getting to the NFC Championship game right. last year, had a down year. He didn't look like the same quarterback he was before. Uh, the Bears had a down year, obviously missing the postseason, and then the Lions, of course, are just a dumpster fire. Uh, they're with, just, yeah, they're just the Lions. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, it seems like that NFC North is there for the taking that yes green bay i I like matt lafleur he's a good head coach and everything but um if a couple things go the right way for minnesota it seems realistic they could win that division next year Uh, i mean it was they they honestly should have you know should have won it this year um they just they had a tough time early in the season on the road and that kind of hurt them in the end they uh that really hurt them in the end they had to be the Packers twice. They lost to them in Lambeau early in the season and then had to beat them at home and, and didn't do it, and that really hurt them. Um, but with all the weapons they had and the weapons they still have on offense, talk about Delvin Cook. I mean, he was the top top five rusher last year in the NFL. And then you look at the receiver targets. I mean, Amphine was an all-pro two seasons ago. <clears throat> you bring in some young talent around there. That defense is one of the best. You have Mike Zimmer, who's a great defensive coach. The division is there for the Vikings. It's just a matter of you got to take down your rivals, and you got to do better. You got to play better on the road. Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Nick. I got to know. Uh, I, I sent you yesterday uh, a really good April Fool's joke that, and I was in all in favor of canceling April Fools this year due to this uh, circumstance. But this one was too good not to share. I know you as a Bears fan. Uh, may have cried a little bit of seeing this <laughs> April Fool's joke that's out there posted by NFL memes of the Bears selecting Patrick Mahomes with that number two pick uh, in 2017, which they actually used on Mitch Trubisky. Not only did they pass on Mahomes, but also pass on Deshaun Watson, too. Um, so, Nick, uh, h- how does this all, years later, uh, d- does it still hurt to see the success of Patrick Mahomes, or, or are you kind of happy for the guy, too? Well, I'll, I'll say this. I'm happy for Mahomes that he won a Super Bowl because he, you know, he proved a lot of doubters wrong. He was the, out of those three quarterbacks, he was drafted third. And there was a lot of people that said coming out of college that his game didn't fit the pros. But, you know, sitting sitting a year under Alex Smith and then a year in Andy Reid's system really helped him. And I was happy to see him in the Super Bowl. And I would say the same thing. If the Bears were not stupid and had drafted him, that – they were a Super Bowl. They were a Super Bowl ready team. Had it been the same circumstance with him on the Bears, he, that, they could have won the Super Bowl this past season. Had Mahomes been the quarterback, I mean, you look at the you look at the Chiefs without the Chiefs without Mahomes. You just put Mahomes in there. They're a Super Bowl team. You look at the Bears. You put Mahomes in there. Super Bowl team. That just shows how good Mahomes has been. And as, as sad as that draft was, where I almost put my fist through a wall because. The Bears traded up a spot to draft Trubisky, and he hasn't panned out. Um, 
I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad about that and the way that the Bears front office drafted the wrong guy, but also have to be happy for Mahomes because he proved all those doubters wrong and won a Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, that, that was cool to see Patrick uh, get that Super Bowl ring, bring it to Kansas City. But I sure do feel for uh, for Bears fans um, in the process because uh, that's a team that it seems like, uh, Nick, you can attest to this, that Bears fans have been uh, really looking for a quarterback since Jim McMahon. Jay Cutler was okay. Grossman was pretty gross. Um, you go on down the line here. I mean, even Jim McMahon wasn't even that great either. I mean, the the quarterback troubles of the Bears go back forever. Yeah, I, I, I can't even – I'd have to look up – I'd have to search on Google um, uh, Bears quarterbacks since 1985 because I can't even tell you all the names of the quarterbacks that have, that have started for the Bears since, since their last Super Bowl uh, – Super Bowl win, I should say. You look at that 2000 and – uh, five Super Bowl at the or 2006 Super Bowl that the Bears were in the defense really got them there Rex Grossman didn't really help them at all he was injured the whole season and Kyle Orton was the quarterback that's right that. and Kyle Orton was the quarterback for most of that season uh, boiler up uh, and uh, that but you talk about that defense I mean there was Hall of Famers on that defense Brian Urlacher uh, you remember Peanut Tillman one of the best cornerbacks uh, Lance Briggs just, just great defense, and that's that's what the identity of the Bears is now too. You look at their defense; they got Khalil Mack. I, you know, the, the list goes down the line, but it's really just been the offense that has been able to get them to that next step, and that's really where this team needs to improve. And the front office needs to know that too, because the front office hasn't really focused on the offense. Yeah, that's it's, it's true. That's true. Um, you you cover North Dakota State uh, very closely here. Uh, How's that football program these days? Uh, they, they keep on winning. Is there any interest in going to FBS, or is this thing going to slow down anytime soon? What is going on with the, uh, the Bison these days? The biggest thing with NDSU is I, I don't think that there's any immediate uh, move uh, prepared to go to F- the FBS level. Uh, a lot of their recruiting um, their pitches, you know, you, you can come here and win rings. You, know, you can come here and win championships. Uh, so you, you take that away from the recruiting aspect, and that could change a lot of different things. Uh, also, there hasn't, I haven't heard about any interest from any conferences in particular, um, but you look at what conferences might have interest, uh, Mountain West, um, you know, Conference USA, the American Conference, those type of schools. Uh, you, you just look at how tough the travel could be in those situations, uh, TV contracts. I mean, North Dakota State right now, they have a TV contract with a station in North Dakota that have all their games locally. So if you, you know, if you go to the FBS level, you go to a different conference, that could change a lot of things. So there's just a lot of things that would have to get worked out, and there's a lot of question marks with that. So I don't think that there's any immediate look to um, move, although – you would think with you know eight of the last nine FCS championships going to NDSU that there'd be some interest in going there, but I haven't seen I, I haven't heard anything yet on that level. Um, but I think that it, it, in my opinion, I think it would be good a program. You look at a lot of a lot of various FCS programs that moved up to FBS. Uh, you look at Liberty, for example. 
you know, they, they moved to the FBS two years ago, and this uh, this past season they were bowl eligible. So I think NDSU could have a lot of success in the FBS level. I just think it has to be a right fit, and there has to be interest from a conference. Okay, that makes sense uh, for sure. What's uh, It seems like that atmosphere at Fargo uh, is, is so cool, that, that Fargo Dome – and we've seen game day there a couple times. I mean, it, it feels like you're almost watching a Power 5 game of some sorts, uh, especially with the level of talent that they get each year, uh, year in and year out. Uh, yeah, uh, totally. Uh, Saturdays during football season when there's home games at the Fargo Dome, it's the place to be. It's the number one place in the state to be. North Dakota doesn't have a professional team. Uh, other than the Vikings, you know, NDSU is right up there. Everybody, you know, it's, it's the number one thing. Everyone, you know, puts puts the bison horns up when you talk about NDSU football. The the football athletes are are gods here. It's like at K, it, you go to KU and you the basketball players when they you when they're out in public they're gods. That's the same thing here with the NDSU football players. That you know they walk around and people treat them like royalty because. They're the main attraction. They're what everybody wants to see. Everybody wants to watch. And the only thing is, is over the years, the fans, uh, especially the student body, they've kind of tapered off at games because NDSU is just they're winning all these games by by large margins. They're, they're, they play one or two opponents every year, like a South Dakota State or an Illinois State close, but they end up pulling out the win, and then they really don't have any close games until the playoffs or the championship like we saw this last year where it took a, a pick six to win the championship. So I, th- I think people just want to see, uh, especially the students that go to the games, I think they want to see closer outcomes rather than blowouts. Um, and I think that that's another reason why the FBS could be a good option because you see a lot more closer games. But I think NDSU could pull out a lot of those. Yeah, I think they could. Um, you know, I even would say – they could be a bowl team in the Big 12. Uh, that might sound crazy, but look at their record against Big 12 teams. It's actually yeah. really good. Um, I, I think they have more FES wins, uh, you know, as of late than, than maybe even KU does, which is uh, just wild to say. Uh, so with that being said, I, I got to ask you about the, uh, the Jayhawks here. Uh, we'll, we'll start with uh, Hoops. You, you said that you got to still watch them a lot this year. Number one in every poll. Uh, I mean, it was a really fun team with uh, Devon and Doak and Marcus Garrett and such. What did you make of the this year's squad? That uh, They seemed like they had all the, the pieces together, this, this team did. I certainly think that could have been a national championship year. Uh, you, you just looked at the success of the team as the year went on. I mean, Really, really early on, early on in the year, Devon Dotson was just tearing it up. Uh, I, I think back to that Maui Invitational game against Dayton. That was one of the best college basketball games I think I've ever watched. Just the just the back and forth, the talent in that game. Uh, and then you look at games where Doak was getting in foul trouble. Devon Dotson really carried the team. And then it was the other way around when you know when when Devon wasn't having good games, Doak really picked it up. And I think you know in the Big Twelve. I mean, you look at all the big men that have come out of the Big 12, I, th- I think it's really good to have a big man uh, like Doak, and that really helps you win games in the Big 12. And you saw when he was getting in foul trouble, I mean, KU could still play small ball as well and still have the advantage in a lot of games. So I just think that the depth of the team and the way that the KU could play in all different aspects was just, I think, 
an easy they were an easy shoe in to get to the national championship, barring anything crazy that would happen in March. I mean, I can't predict that they would win the national championship because you never know what happens in March Madness. But I would say that it was definitely a national championship team, in my opinion. Yeah, this was a fun team that seemed like they had everything together, uh, but unfortunate that they had to see their uh, season end uh, in that circumstance, uh, that they were under here. You know, I, I would have loved to see the NCAA tournament. I think we all would, obviously. But, Nick, uh, you know, to think of the idea of if the NCAA tournament was going to happen, there was going to be no fans involved. And whenever we do get sports back, there's going to be probably no fans involved for a while. That's going to take a little bit getting used to. I'll just take sports, you know, any way we can, just to have it back at this point. But that's going to be an adjustment of sorts when when that does happen. I I definitely think so. Uh, But looking at it in a different way, I mean, if it's still going to be on TV, people still have that outlet to watch. Um, I was I was watching uh, SVP last night, and they had a former MLS player on, who was a doctor that was work uh, in New York City. That's working through this time uh, during coronavirus right now, and he was saying that you know a lot of the doctors, you know, sports is their escape. And even though we work in the sports industry, we love sports, and I mean it's not really an escape for us, but it's our job. We still love it, and I think that everybody would want to see uh, sports come back, even if you even if we can't go to the sporting events to watch the game, if if it's still being televised, we still have that outlet to be able to watch and cheer cheer for something and back something. Uh, I think even if it's not, even if there's no fans or not, or if it for able to watch it on TV, I think that's still uh, providing happiness to a lot of people. Right, you're a big golf guy, as am I. Um, I got to tell you, I think golf would probably makes sense to be one of the first things to come back. You don't need people in the gallery, and the golfers can easily keep that six-feet distance. That's not a problem here. Um, you could limit the production of those who are actually uh, working you know, on the camera crews and stuff like that. That, to me, seems like the easiest option of something to come back here pretty soon. I'm with you. Uh, you think about the last tournament they had, the Players' Championship, they were going to finish it out. I mean, they were trying to work hard to finish that weekend. Um, but then Roy McIlroy said that if the if the he, he's the number one player in the world right now, so if, whatever he says, you're going to listen to him. Uh, he said that you know he would want all the players on the tour quarantined uh, before anything would go on, and I think that really. Uh, Took to the took the to the eye of the PGA Tour commissioner and said, "Hey, if if our top player is saying that these guys need to get quarantined and have social distance, then we need to can we need to cancel these events." But I'm just I'm just happy that the Masters wasn't post or wasn't canceled because if we didn't have the Masters, I don't know what I'd do. I mean, I just saw last night Golf Digest said the Open Championships going to be canceled. We already saw. The PGA Championship get postponed. The U.S. Open is going to be postponed. I'm, I'm just, I'm just looking for something here. Right, um, and it seems like the first of those is we heard from Phil Mickelson that we're going to see another Tiger versus Phil match, and uh, possibly Tom Brady and Peyton Manning involved in the process too. Um, that seems like that could be a big hit, and this time it won't even be on pay per view. They're putting it on TNT. That, to me, uh, sounds exciting. I loved when they did this the first time around and, uh, and that event on uh, the head of the day after Thanksgiving, and that was just tremendous. Uh, I know that Phil isn't the same golfer that he was, but uh, going head-to-head with Tiger, I think you might get a little extra out of Phil to, to make that a good competition. 
I think so too. You look at the last time that that happened. You know, Tiger really wasn't at his uh, at his best, and now that he's coming off a Masters Championship from last season, I think he could really uh, compete this time with Phil, and uh, it could be a really good competition. I just think that uh, I think it, it has to get approved by the tour, and I think the tour is a little little skeptical right now. But maybe maybe in a month or so down the line, and a lot of this stuff clears as we continue to social distance through this month. Uh, I think that we might be able to see, hopefully, something by May or June for sp- uh, pro sporting events coming back. Yeah, yeah, I, I would love to see uh, Tiger and Phil uh, go at it again and and uh, get Tom Brady and Peyton involved. Uh, that'll be cool too. Uh, two of the best rivalries in uh, all the sports between individual athletes. Uh, those two, they'll be a lot of fun. Um, KU football. I know that you followed them and such, and you know, going into year two at Les Miles, what are you? Uh, what do you make it less and what's going on with this football program, Nick? Well, I'm definitely seeing uh, growth and building uh, in the program. You look at this year, beating Boston College, that was the first Power 5 school beat on the road, and I don't even know how many years that it was, but it was a long time. Uh, so I think that's a step in the right direction. You look at a lot of the Big 12 games that they were in, almost beating Texas, uh, You know, a couple of games late in the season where it was uh, you know one or two possessions. Uh, or one or two scores, I should say. So I think there's a lot of building to go there, uh, a lot of a lot of growth. I just think that it's a matter of, you know, less miles. You know, I think it takes a couple of years to get a lot of his uh, recruits in there because right now he still has a lot of David Beatty's recruits. But I think on the recruiting front, he's doing pretty well. You look, they were one of the the top uh, top uh, ranked recruiting programs in the Big Twelve uh, this past recruiting period. I think there's a lot of growth there. Yeah, um, and I think so. I think there, there's a lot of steps in the right direction so far. One thing, though, that, that irritates me, Nick, is how this David Beatty stuff has not been settled yet. This lawsuit uh, you know, continues to go on, uh, and I get it from Beatty's standpoint. He should get his money, and he should continue to fight to get his $3 million buyout. But the fact that Jeff Long and company have not found a way to settle or just go ahead and pay the man. That That's just silly that it's gotten to this point, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, the athletics department, they've been in some uh, this some turmoil this year. You look at this lawsuit, the Snoop Dogg incident for late night, uh, and then the uh, this, the so-called uh, Adidas scandal uh, around Bill Self. There's just a lot of uh, a lot of things hanging around the athletic department right now that uh, – need to get figured out and uh maybe we'll hear some things going on here uh pretty soon about that but yeah i'm I'm with you there i think Beatty certainly deserves his money especially for uh what he was put through for uh, what the three seasons he was there he was put through a lot of uh a lot of situations that you know were tough situations and he certainly deserves his money out of that for sure yeah no doubt no doubt uh nick would you like me to pass anything along to uh to smacker for you uh, what uh, you're uh, in contact with her? Uh, I I can be. I, I can pass along a message if you would like me to. Uh, I just wish her well in her in her social distancing and self quarantine. <laughs> well played, well played there, right, my friend. Right, right now, that's uh, my conversation start with a lot of people. Is how's your uh, how's your self quarantine going? Right, and uh, is your pickup line like would Would you like to quarantine with me? <laughs> Uh, yeah, if it, if it gets to that point, but it hasn't got to that point yet. Okay, yeah, we're, we're working on that. We'll get to that yeah. point. Uh, Nick, uh, before I let you run here, where can people uh, see all your work and uh, what you're up to there in Fargo? Oh, yeah, super easy. All my socials are the same. Uh, 
handle. So it's at ncuz, N-C-O-U-Z. Simple as that. Incuz. Uh, follow yep. him there. Facebook, yep. Twitter, Instagram, all that great stuff. Uh, doing great work from uh, Fargo, North Dakota. Nick, appreciate the time as always, my friend. Uh, hope to see you down here once all this stuff settles and uh, we'll, we'll grab a drink or something. And uh, best of luck, my friend. Yeah, sounds good. I was planning to come out uh, out to Lawrence uh, this month, actually, but you know, there's better. There's other things going on in the world right now that don't limit me from doing that. So hopefully, hopefully down the road at some point. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Nick Cousin, John, I guess here at the Jones Report. Big thanks to Nick Cousin for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones back here with you now, and we got a full house today here at the Jones Report. Thomas Bridges is here with us as always. And uh, our new nurse here on the Jones Report, Nurse Mig, is back. And uh, also, my sister is in town, uh, Ashley Jones, uh, making her debut on the show. Is that right? Is this your first time? I think so, but I'm not sure. Like, okay. I'm- it's been a while if you've yeah. been on before. Um, and the reason why, my, my sister, she's in town this week. Uh, I have... Uh, I'm supposed to be at the Final Four in Atlanta right now. That's obviously not happening. And uh, so instead, she's here with me in Lawrence. And uh, and so all of us are dealing with this world without sports, without corona- with coronavirus going on. And so we're coping with it in different ways. And so this is almost like a therapy session of some sorts um, that we're experiencing right now. We're talking about our feelings and how we're coping with this situation. Um, so... Um, so we'll, we'll start out with my sister. Um, you've been around me this week and, uh, how have I dealt with this sportsless world? How would you evaluate what I've been like to be around and what I've done? Well, Dr. Phil, you've watched a lot of The Office. Like, that I have. too much of The Office. Too much? We wa- anytime that we're not watching the news, we're watching The Office. That is true. Um, to be fair, I never finished The Office. Um, to begin with, um, I, uh, I watch, I've watched a lot of episodes, but I've never watched it from start to finish, never a time. So that's my excuse. Um, I did see Tom and maybe Meg has some thoughts on this too. The Ringer posted a poll today. Who's a better TV character? Is it Dwight Schrute or Ron Swanson? What say you, Tom? Uh, it's Ron Swanson, no doubt. I mean, Dwight... Dwight is the guy that always wishes he could be Ron Swanson. <laughs> That's good. Meg, what say you? Do, you? do you say Dwight or Ron Swanson? So honestly, um, to really see my, my input for what it's worth, uh, I haven't finished all the way through uh, Parks and Rec or um, The Office, but I've watched a little bit of both. Okay. And I feel like a lot of people like in pop culture make better references uh, and try to emulate ron swanson more he's just a little bit more badass um i think that the office as a whole is great but but between the characters i think ron swanson kills it okay so we have two votes for ron swanson what say you ashley i say ron swanson because dwight is literally if sheldon and ron swanson had a kid Give Shel- truth. Sheldon and Ron Swanson if they had a kid. So maybe this isn't as close as I thought it was. I think they're both great characters. Um, but I would give I would give Ron the edge myself. 
Um, I felt like I'm having to choose between my two favorite foods or my or my two kids of some sorts when I had to make a choice between those two. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want Ron or Dwight as my kids, but I feel like I'm having to choose my two favorite characters when I have to make that choice. But uh, they're both great nonetheless, and uh, I'm enjoying this. Um, I did say, I did think that uh, the best episode I've watched of this uh, this office uh, was one I actually watched today. When uh, Toby got let go, when uh, when Toby left, and they had the big party, and Holly came in, um, and, and what on earth is Michael doing with uh, with, with uh, Jan's uh, baby that she had through artificial inception? Like that's not your kid, Michael. Uh, have you? Has anyone else seen that episode? Uh, yeah, multiple times. I don't think so. Tom, uh, I think that's that's a low point for Michael. That's about as low as it gets. Artificial insemination, that like is more like a Dwight thing to say some cringy, some cringy thing <laughs> about that. Uh, I mean, he is one that would totally do that. And uh, for Michael to take on that role just seems a little bit different. What, what, uh, what was your favorite episode you've watched? Uh, it, has to be, it has to be the basketball episode. The basketball episode's good. What about you, Ashman? I don't have a favorite yet. We haven't, I haven't watched as many as you have so far. Um, but i got to say Parks and Rec is ten times better. Ten times better. Whoa. Whoa, hot take. And, and above that is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yes. No. Nine-Nine. Get out of here with that. No, we, we're not promoting uh, Andy Samberg. Hey, it's so the one girl. show that Andy Samberg is good looking on. For That's not important worth, to us. Um, for, hey, for what it's worth, have you seen uh, Master of None, which is Tom Haverford in Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who is the uh, Aziz Ansari in Master of None? Yeah, I have not. I've heard good things. Oh, it's 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 a great show, especially during these times. Uh, you might as well watch it, honestly. I'll have to give that a shot. Um, that, that'll be on my list. Also on my list of, of what I have to watch during this stretch, I need to see uh, the original Office uh, with Ricky Gervais, Tom. It's only like 12 episodes. Yeah, you should. That's the what's that's the UK version. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's definitely worth the watch. Uh, I mean, Ricky is a great comic. I mean, great stand-up guy. Uh, I mean, always not afraid to take the unpopular opinion, uh, and is very unapologetic, and it's always fun to watch Ricky do what he does. I love well, who's funnier, Ricky Gervais or Steve Carell? Ooh, uh, I'm gonna go Ricky Gervais. I would go Ricky, Ricky Gervais based, based off of one season. Um, I, I mean. I would say uh, his Golden Globe speech this past year was one of the greatest monologues I've ever heard, period. I mean, it's close. Ricky's just so unapologetic right. that it makes it. Like I mean, he, he does not care. I actually heard Steve Carell talk about this the other day. He said that Ricky Gervais will insult you to your face and tell you how horrible you are. And Steve Carell, he said, yeah, I'll do the same thing, but I'll do it behind your back. I won't say it to your face. That's the difference between the two. I mean, it's like Gordon Ramsay to Guy Ferrari. Like, I mean, Guy's not going to talk bad about you, but Ricky has no – his bag is literally out of 
for lack of a better term, or for more appropriate term, Fs. Right. What say you, Ash? Uh, Ricky Gervais or Steve Carell? I haven't seen that much with Ricky Gervais, but I've noticed that Steve Carell tends to play the same character. Like, we just watched that dinner for uh, Schmutz. Schmucks. Schmucks, sorry. The other day, and he just seemed like Michael with blonde hair and a fetish for um, taxidermy. Yeah, that was a little weird, but it was an okay <laughs> movie. Uh, taxidermy is not my my thing. I'll, I'll stay away. I mean, dead things were meant to stay dead. Um, it might sound a little dark, but I mean, no thanks in the taxidermy uh, for me personally. But uh, what what was the other show you've been watching, Ash? All American. All American. That was on the CW, but now it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's actually like number three trending in the U.S. from Netflix. Has anyone else seen this show? I have not. It's a, I haven't. It's a football show. And you're not a football fan. Why do you like it? Well, it's pretty good. and It's pretty good because there's a lot of drama and stuff, but I'm actually knowing stuff about football, which is ironic after living with him for 20 years, and now I finally know <laughs> football. You're learning. You're catching on. Does yes. this make you want to watch football games? I was going for, like, next Blue Mountain State. Oh, Blue Mountain State was amazing. Maybe, but you would have to be announcing. Oh, there you go. You would watch football if I announced. That's nice. Yes. That makes an audience of at least one. I like that. I'll take that. <laughs> um, so, so how about you guys? Uh, Mig, what, what have you been doing since you don't have any sports to watch either and such? How have you been coping with uh, this uh, when you're not dealing with COVID-19 directly at work and such? Uh, when you are at home, what, what are you watching? What are you doing in your spare time? I know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Yes. Yes, you. Um, so since I moved out to Georgia, I, um, I got a Home Depot credit card, so I've been trying to keep myself busy with woodworking, as I told you earlier. I guess that's something that I'm going to get into, like, 20 years earlier than I thought. I feel like that's an older dad thing, but, uh, I'm making a, a desk. For myself, I just need a tabletop, and I missed Home Depot closing because of my night schedule and whatnot. But I'm trying to get into some woodworking projects, just simple things that I need. I'm going to put up some shelves. I'm going to make some storage and whatnot. So woodworking, <laughs> possibly. Um, I've been reading. I've been reading some books. I went to Barnes & Noble and balled out. I got Nerd. Killers of the Flower Moon. And the Osage murders the birth of the FBI, and that's from your your very own Oklahoma. Um, what else? I've been practicing guitar. It's it's one that I've put down at the beginning of nursing school, and I didn't even know nursing school was going to take me that long. So it's been collecting dust up until uh, like last month. And I went to Walmart. I got four. Nerf guns and bought 200 foam bullets and had a hell of a time for a day or two. Um, is money well spent because I can now non-lethally shoot my friends by surprise for fun. So in just a matter of seconds, uh, Mig, you went from being Ron Swanson to a nerd just like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I went from being a badass with a shotgun to someone who wants to LARP. <laughs> <laughs> He went from Ron Swanson to Ben Wyatt. Oh, that's a good TV comparison. Very smooth. 
Very smooth on that front. You're getting good at this. Uh, Tom, how have you been uh, coping with the extra time? Jones, I have a question. How have you not LARPed before? Um, <laughs> I have never seen any interest. Uh, if somebody wants to introduce me to this, uh, please do. Uh, I've not, I don't know where you start from there. Angry beer yoga to LARPing. Right? Let's do it. I've been to Jump a Renaissance Fair. Does that count? I've literally been sure. catching up on sleep, trying to get rid of these dark circles under my eyes. Because for the longest time, I've been running and gunning, um, doing karaoke and working 40 hours a week. And now, for the past three weeks, I have not had to do anything. And so, I have been literally kicking it large and just living my best life. Um, at home, I think in the past three weeks I've left home uh, about three times. Wow! And that has been it. Um, and so since then, I've literally been living it up at the house. I've played darts multiple times. Um, I have, yeah, darts and cornhole, and really that's been it. I'm glad you uh, you you said cornhole. You didn't call it bags. If you call it bags, you are a, a fool. Yeah, nobody. That's uh, that's blasphemy. Yeah, uh, you call it bags. You, you, I would have to disconnect this this uh, this call uh, right away if you would have called this bags. So Wait, why is it called cornhole? Why is it called cornhole? I don't care. Uh, but I, I'm made, not calling it bags. The bags are made with corn. And you throw them in a hole. And so dried corn kernels in a hole. And hence cornhole. So it's... You heard it here first. So it's like popcorn, but not popped. Exactly. So you could... What about putting actual popcorn in a bag and then tossing it in? I don't think that would toss very well. That would be hard to do that. <laughs> Maybe I'm not on to something there. Like it would be, I, when I Tyler like it gets bored. It might be. Uh, you probably can't get much uh, air on that like you would a cornhole bag. But uh, nonetheless, so that's how we're all dealing with this. And uh, we're just playing the waiting game at this point to see uh, see what happens uh, at this point in time. But I'm, I'm glad that we all have perspective and we're going to get through this together and everything's going to be okay. Uh, Tom, before we get out of here today, it's time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. And uh, where are we going to head this time? So we are headed to, uh, probably going to get this wrong, 1400 South Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C. We're going to the White House. Um, and the... This is a New York Post, so, uh, you know, just just let you know what's out there um, before we do this. NYPost.com article reads, Petition to name Dr. Anthony Fossey sexiest man alive gains momentum. You don't know who Fossey is. It's uh, Fossey. Fossey. I like to say Fossey. Well, you're saying it wrong. You sound like an idiot, but go ahead. Fossey, Fossey. Fauci. 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 That's what it is. He's Italian from New York. Fauci. Okay. Fauci. He's a donut. He's a bobblehead. He could be the sexiest man alive. Dr. Anthony. One more time. 
Fauci. Fauci has become an unlikely celebrity and hero during the coronavirus pandemic thanks to his daily no-nonsense briefings and decades-long career-fighting infectious diseases. And his rise to fame has tongues wagging in more ways than one. An online petition making the rounds is calling for the public health expert, 79, to be named People's Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. A title has been awarded to famous studs such as David Beckham, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Idris Elba. The director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases has also been immortalized in the form of a bobblehead toy and delicious pastries. On Thursday, the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum unveiled a doctor... One more time. Fauci. Fauci model, with part of the proceeds going towards the American Hospital Association to support a 100 million mask challenge. Fans are really eating up to Dr. Fauci's too. A Rochester, Rochester, New York bakery put the infectious disease expert face on donuts last week, and they've been selling like hotcakes both in the store and online. The face of the coronavirus crisis and the White House's COVID-19 task force has even been placed on T-shirts, candles, and plenty other fan art. The fandom has led hundreds to sign a chain.org petition to give the doctor the People's Sexiest Man Alive title for 2020. His comforting, his comforting and intelligent demeanor has helped to lessen our national anxiety, the petition reads. He speaks the truth to a power and strength few have at this time. His kind face and manner of speaking bring calm during the storm. For sapiophiles and many others, he is the definite sexiest man alive in 2020. With over 500 signatures and counting, People's Editor-in-Chief Dan Wakeford has even seen the petition. April Fool's prank or not, Dr. Anthony Fauci is indeed the latest unexpected star to emerge from the COVID-19 Task Force Daily press briefings, Wakefer said in a statement to Women's Wear Daily. He has helped to bring back must-see TV to the masses who are hungry for wisdom about how to best care for their family's health and safety in this time of uncertainty. Smart is sexy, no doubt. Wakeford tells the fashion trade that he is the one responsible for choosing the recipient, and even divulged details on how the person has chosen each November. The prestige on being the cover of People means you're still the most talked about person in America, he says. Jones, Fauci, sexiest man alive given the times, yes or no? I have no reason to think that Fauci shouldn't be the sexiest man alive. Um, he's a very smart guy. He's a bit older and still looking great at this point. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. And those glasses, that hair, um, there's another picture of him with his tongue out. I mean, like, this guy probably still gets it, you know? I mean, uh, Dr. Fauci, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be the world's sexiest man alive, Tom. As the only female here, can I speak up on this? Yes, please do. Yes, please. I say no. I mean, he can be a hero, but he ain't sexy. Isn't... I mean, he literally, he looks like skinny Santa. Without the beard. Then he doesn't look like Santa. Okay, then he's like, then he's Santa when he's sick or whatever. I don't know. He's just not sexy. You can't just give someone, that's, if anything, give him a peace prize. Give him give the a Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize. That's too serious of an honor. We need him to get recognized for more than that, Tom. Mm. Ashley, all right, who would you pick? I'll, show, well, I'll pick. One second, I gotta look up his name. I just know he's hot. Charlie, hey, is that 
Hey, it's sexiest man alive. I can I can go off of purely off of looks. Michael I mean, Evans hey, goes. Jones, here's an idea. We used to do Hottie of the Week. Yes. Female version. We maybe need to get your sister on to do Hottie of the Week male version. Okay, Tom, look. Look at that face. What's his name, Ash? Michael Evans Bailing. Michael Evans Bailing. I've never heard of this guy. You've seen him on our show. He's on All American and he is hot. Okay, so that's your pick. Just some no-namer. I like Dr. Fauci better. Um, and uh, and who's to say that we can't decide? That we can't decide who the sexiest man is? Is I mean, you a straight white male? Um, yes, I am a straight white male, but that doesn't mean game can't recognize game. Um, so I will vote for Dr. Fauci. Miguel, uh, Dr. Fauci, world's sexiest man. What, what say you? Uh, yeah, I think intellect is part of what makes him, uh, makes him attractive and applied to these times makes it that much better. And, uh, yeah, first to pick a doctor that's in the, uh, face of the public, I'd, I'd pick him. It's like, what has Dr. Oz done for us other than push products? Right. And Dr. Oz, <laughs> like, Dr. Oz would be my last choice because this guy, he doesn't <laughs> wear shoes on television. He wears socks, and it creeps me out. Um, and so I can't take him seriously. Uh, Dr. Fauci, he's a real doctor. He doesn't go around, uh, you know, without his shoes on. He believes in no shoes, no shirt, no service. You're not going to get the treatment from Dr. Fauci. So... Dr. Fauci uh, gets my choice as far Dr. as... Uh, who's Dr. Mike? You've never heard of Dr. Mike? Tell us who Dr. Mike is. Well, Dr. He, Mike? One, he is known for being attractive. And he is a doctor. And he interviewed Dr. Fauci. Is he some YouTuber? He is. A, he does YouTube as well, but he is a doctor. He has his own practice and everything. YouTubers are not stars. They're not celebrities. He's actually you, been on a lot of shows. We don't care about YouTubers. They're not people. I don't recognize YouTubers. Uh, if you you're famous, if you're famous from YouTube, you're a nobody, as far as I'm concerned, Tom. Didn't uh, what's her name, blonde hair, start out on YouTube? I don't know who you're talking about. You, Trump lady. Are you talking Tom, about Tommy, Tommy Lauren? Tommy Lauren. Oh yeah. Justin Bieber started off on YouTube. Bieber started on YouTube? Yes, he did. His video was recognized by Usher, and that's how he got famous. Okay. Uh-oh, straight facts on the Jones reports. Well, I mean, people that are just solely on YouTube are not He's stars. He's on other things. You have to do other things. He's you done know, other things. Uh, if YouTube is your number one uh, you know, source of income and such, I I'm writing you off. He's literally a doctor. He, YouTube would not be his only source of income. Uh, I'm writing him off. What He's done. Dr. Fauci's American hero. We're recognizing Dr. Fauci. What about the, what about the doctor from Grey's Anatomy? Uh, Patrick Swayze? Or, no, no, not Patrick Swayze. Uh, what's his name? Patrick Swayze? <laughs> Patrick Swayze's not alive. Um, Patrick Dempsey, yes. Oh, and I looked it up. Dr. Mike was actually the sexiest doctor alive in 2015 of people. See, he's already been recognized. We don't need to give him the the uh, the war that's going to Dr. Fauci. Um, let's go to Dr. Fauci as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Tom, uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, if he can't be the sexiest man alive, what, what should we do for him instead? Uh, 
Mm, maybe get him on the show. If we can't get the if we can't get the Tiger King on the show, maybe Fauci's second best. Right. Matt Jones also second Tom Fullery of the week. Side Tom Fullery, alternate Tom Fullery. You tried Dr Pepper for the first time in over a year. Tell us about it. Um, so yes, I did try Dr Pepper for the first time in over a year. My sister drinks it about every day. And she uh, was floating it around, and I couldn't resist. And I used to be a Dr. Pepper addict myself. Um, and I drank this regularly every day. I would drink Dr. Pepper. I gave up pop for a year, and I finally had a Dr. Pepper. I, I was having pizza, and I couldn't resist. And it tasted too syrupy. There's too much sugar. I was not appealed to it. Um, I'm going to go back to drinking iced tea. Um, I, I just didn't, it didn't have that same flavor that it once did. So, uh, I'm out on pop. I think I'm glad I tried it because it made me realize it was like going to the dark side and realizing, you know what? I don't belong here anymore, Tom. <laughs> you don't, you're, you're not a fan of the 23 flavors. I was at one point for, for years, but I, I've grown out of that. I've evolved. You still like syrupy drinks, though. Just like two weeks ago, you had a pink lemonade. Pink lemonade, you cannot tell me, is not syrupy. I mean, but it's not pop. You know, the pop syrup is a whole other animal. Mig, uh, I, I, what benefits am I going to have uh, from not drinking pop? Oh, my goodness. Um, you won't have any glucose crashes. Okay. When you drink something that's got a lot of sugar in it, your uh, insulin in your pancreas gets released enough to like absorb the blow that that uh, soda does to you, and then uh, but it keeps releasing insulin, so you keep taking in more sugar uh, into your cells than you need, and uh, you have that crash. So no crashes. No crashes. Okay. You're the Leslie Nobody. No crashes. No crashes. Good. Um, I will stick to coffee and tea and uh, call it a day from there. Okay, Leslie. Thank you. On that note, we got to get out of here today. Uh, Mig, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, anything else you would like to pass along to the folks out there uh, in, in regards to you know corona or anything? Just what, what would be your last point that people need to know? Honestly, we're still in search for answers, so just let the time pass um, so we can see real numbers for that curve, so look for that plateau and dip, uh, and just keep doing what you're doing, washing your hands, um, keeping social distance, covering your coughs. There's no way to reinvent that that health wheel, so just keep on doing that, guys. Yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. Follow the show on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Tyler Jones Live, at uh, Tyler Jones Media Group, uh, Jones underscore report on uh, the Instagram, Insta Thomas, Thomas underscore Bridges. Uh, you, know, you can find us there. Subscribe on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all, and uh, we will see you on the other side. For my sister, Ashley Jones, for... Nurse Mig, Miguel Atkinson, for Thomas Bridges. I'm Tyler Jones. Uh, big thanks to Nick Cousin for also stopping by and joining us as well. And we will see you right back here next week on the Jones Report. So long, everybody.